Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Binds Us podcast. We are very excited to have Eleanor Turner, founder and CEO of newly launched The Big Favorite on our podcast today. Eleanor went to SCAD and interned at Vivian Tam, and she worked at Isaac Mizrahi, Tommy Hilfiger, Tori Birch, and J. Crew before co-founding women's workwear brand, Argent. The big favorite, which is what we're focusing on today, is a sustainable brand that was originally started by her great-grandfather in the 1930s. She brought it back in 2020, and we cannot wait to learn more. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. We're so excited. So we met many years ago. I don't even know how many, but it has been a joy and a pleasure to know you since that. <laughs> and so do you want to walk us through your career path? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have to have to shout out Victor Glamod yeah. for putting us in touch. Yes. Um, Cause he was the reason why. And I just remember him saying like, there's this amazing woman that you need to meet. And she's like, gonna start doing her own thing and then that turned out to be you so so amazing he's such a doll I know love him so much um so my career path so yeah I started out I actually graduated from SCAD um in 2008 which (laughs) was another difficult year um Mm -hmm. to be graduating and I had to get really creative with how to find a job so I um, ended up interning in a windowless PR closet mm-hmm. at Tommy Hilfiger um, in New York and eventually turned that into a full-time position as the only assistant for the uh, Tommy Hilfiger runway collection. And I knew I had a design background and that was actually how I met Victor. He was my very first boss. Um, so I ended up working for him for a few years. And then after that, decided I really wanted to be in like a company where um, I could do specifically design. So I moved over to Tory Birch and then I went to J crew um, and I spent two years under Mickey and Jenna, which was like so amazing, learned so mm-hmm. much and uh, was an incredible time for that company. Mm-hmm. And then um, decided to, to take the, the plunge into entrepreneurialism and co-founded uh, workwear brand Argent uh, that you mentioned before and spent about four years doing that and um, decided that I really wanted to revive one of my great grandfather's brands called The Big Favorite and just found myself uh, looking at every single decision that I had made in my career and understanding it was almost like this this singularity moment where I understood every single decision had this huge impact and consequence, especially when it comes to waste. And so um, that was really the driving point behind reviving the big favorite into a recycling brand. And we just launched in November. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) You're so funny, Dean. So I want to understand. So this, your great grandfather, you said among the brands, he had several brands or how, what did he, 
actually. Yeah. So he had a workwear holding company back in the thirties through the sixties. And he had, um, it was a family of brands. One was really dedicated towards sort of government contracts with, for World War II uniforms. Another one did all of the denim overalls for railroad workers. Um, and then he had three lines of ready to wear that he sold in corner stores throughout the country. Um, and so the big favorite was, I think it was like number four or five of um, his family of brands. And he named it that I, I like love this story. He named it that because um, back then the word favorite had like a much dearer meaning to farming communities mm-hmm. and they it, it sort of elicited a choice. Um, and so he wanted to provide a better choice for this specific like what we would call today demographic or psychographic. Um, And it was, it, it stuck. Um, And I loved it. And I found the button um, in my dad's basement that said the big favorite, like when I was in college studying to become a designer and just said like, what is this? And he told me the whole story. It was crazy. And so fast forward, he actually sold all of, all of these um, companies to Dickies in the 1960s. Wow. Yeah. Um, And so Dickies didn't need them for the brands. They just needed the supply chain. So they stopped doing the the brands and and the, uh, the, you know, brand names haven't been used since back then. Um, But now it's back. So you're telling me, when did you find the button? While I was in college studying to become a designer. And I had no idea this was in my family history. Oh my God. This is like a movie. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, to think about you holding that, that button and now here you are, that is chills. That's fabulous. Yeah. It was, it's, it was super weird. And I was like, dad, how come you didn't tell me about my fit, this history? And he's like, well, I don't know. Like we didn't even, I don't know. We just didn't think about it, but it was <laughs> in, literally in my blood. Right. I know. And didn't you stick the button like in your back pocket? You kind of kept it around and thought maybe one day you would do something with it. Yeah, absolutely. So that was kind of the, um, the plan was to put it on the, put it on the back burner and get some experience and then revisit it when I had the right mission and calling for it. Um, and that's, uh, that was really after all of my experience in corporate fashion and, you know, starting my own label, um, when I I realized what I wanted to do with it. Oh my goodness. And did, did it always have a recycle? aspect to it you mean like when he had it mm-hmm. no um he just did hard-working denim okay. workwear for average americans mm-hmm. um and and there was nothing really the, the only thing i can say about that company back in the day was that you know you couldn't just call up china and ask for some buttons to be sent though sure. so they actually had to do everything themselves they made every little hook and eye, every grommet, every rivet. Um, and it was completely vertical. It's just a, an incredible operation that he had. Wow. That yeah. is incredible. And don't you have the same logo? Yeah, we, we pulled that forward. Um, and it just felt like, you know, we, I, I had explored so many rounds of branding and so many logos and I loved the button logo, but it didn't, didn't work for so many use cases. And so 
we really started looking at some of the more square logos that he had and just kind of loved that they felt like, you know, you didn't really have to tell the story of the brand being revived. Like you could just tell from the logo that there was history there. Right. Um, and so I really loved that about this one. And, and so we just pulled it forward. We just reused it. Yes. It's perfect. Oh my gosh. Recycling the brand and recycling your undergarments. <laughs> That's right. So, since this is such a new brand, for those who are not familiar, do you want to give us the 30 second elevator pitch? Yeah. So we are a brand recycled into a recycling brand and we make the most reliable undergarments on the planet for the planet, 100% Pima cotton, plastic free uh, for men and women with a revolutionary take back program um, where we will uh, take your garments back at the end of their life and recycle them into a future resource. Wow. That's a lot. Talk to us about the decision to use Pima cotton. Okay. So I, should sort of give some background on the category too. Like I'm a, so I'm a huge um, first layer person. Like I worked in specifically in knitwear at Tory Burch and J crew, which means like cut and sew knits. So t-shirts, sweatpants, like really like things that are close to your skin and things that are soft. Mm -hmm. Um, And so given that experience, I knew that Pima cotton uh, was the softest, longest staple fiber in the cotton category. And the reason why I chose it was not only because it's super soft, but it's like all natural. So it's breathable. It's good for your skin. Um, But it just, it provides like the perfect base layer under any outer garment. So, you know, I'm a big sweater wearer Mm -hmm. and it helps protect my investment pieces um, so that I don't have to dry clean them all the time. And, um, it just provides like a barrier between any top layer and it's super, super comfortable. Um, the other part about Pima is that it's better for the cotton recycling process. So it's a longer staple fiber, which means it on the other end of mechanical recycling, it keeps some of that length and it makes an even more durable recycled product on the other end. Mm, that's awesome. Cause it's so beautiful and soft. Yeah, it's a beautiful fabric. I love it. Mm -hmm. All right. So this is a big one. What does it mean to be circular? Yeah. Um, I love this question because I even in my, in sort of my, you know, starting this business and and having many conversations with people within the circular economy, there's this big disconnect between uh, customers understanding of circularity and, and like what it actually means. Right. Um, so the cir- the circular is in reference to the circular co- economy, and it's based on the principles of you know designing out waste, pollution, um, and keeping products and materials in use, and regenerating natural systems. Um, so that's that's what it means to be truly circular. Okay. Will you say that one more time? Sure. <laughs> um, so. Yeah. So it's in reference to the circular economy. It basically just means that you're designing out waste, you're designing out pollution, and you're keeping as many materials um, and products in the system, in the supply chain as you can, and you're regenerating natural systems. So like regenerative agriculture, for example. Ah, okay. Yeah. That's so interesting. Even the term designing out. I had designing out me. 
Yeah, it's I think that's to be honest with you one of the the most exciting parts of all of this is that circularity really does start at conception. You have to design with the end of life in mind mm-hmm. um in order to make this work, which is which is why you know, we've chosen 100% Pima cotton. Um, a lot of times in the undergarments category, you'll see a lot of poly blends mm. and it's, it's, it's not impossible, but it's way harder to recycle blended fibers than it is natural ones. Plus the microplastics problem too. So, yeah. so we made these choices, um, very intentionally, um, in order to create a more recyclable product. And I think that's a big white space for the industry. Okay. Talk to us about the problem of underwear, like how many underwear are thrown away each day and what made you start with this category? Um, so I just wrote a, I just wrote a blog post on this actually that's live now. Um, so I started with this category because I actually had, the pain point of having to shop quickly for undergarments. Um, basically, when I was starting my first company, Argent, I lived in the East Village. I didn't have a washer dryer in my apartment. I never had time to do laundry. Right. And I was leaving the next day on a business trip out to the West Coast and found myself without any clean underwear. I had to go into a Walgreens um, at like 10 p.m. on a cold February night mm. and buy the Hanes six pack Valentine's day themed underwear. <laughs> and that was a humiliating experience and they felt like Brillo and, um, but it was, it was such a bad experience that it was like a source of inspiration and it mm. sparked, it sparked the idea. And that's when I really started researching the category and putting some data down on paper and found that almost 11 million pounds of undergarment textile waste goes into U.S. landfills daily because this is the one category that can't be donated or resold. Ah, yeah. Very good point. So it was a starting point or it is the starting point And this is just the beginning. Right. Because right now it's just recycling the big favorite, correct? Yes. Okay. And is the goal in the future to send back any underwear instead of throwing it away to be recycled? Yeah. And that really depends on the, the availability of chemical recycling. Mechanical recycling really only dresses single, um, single fiber, natural fiber, um, recycling. I mean, it's, you can do it some ways, but it's really hard to rebind a fiber if it's like a ton of different uh, qualities and contents. Um, so we're focusing on the hundred percent Pima cotton, but in the future, like, you know, these technologies are on the cusp of being available at scale. So, uh, you know, we're going to grow with that availability and we're just excited to like, you know, I have, I'm watching it all the time. I'm talking to everybody all the time. I'm so excited about these things coming to fruition. So the big favorite will be ready when, when they are. That's so exciting. And you're, you're, you're just a pioneer. I mean, you're, you know, in the very beginning of all of this, you'll be leading everyone else, leading, you know, giving us the way. Yeah. Or at least like, you know, it's, it's going to be such a, an amazing um, collective effort. And I feel like, 
you know, we, we, we're all playing a part in it. Um, so I'm excited. It's great. Yes. To be in the room where it's happening. (laughs) Yes. Okay. What does it mean to close the loop? So closing the loop is similar to, um, it's similar to the circular economy question. And it really means to keep the products and materials in use. So, um, you're not like traditionally right now where we are with consumerism is we're in a take, make waste system. So that means we take from the earth, we make something out of it. And then when it's, it's finished, it goes in the trash. Um, and so the closing the loop is really making that line and bending it into a circle um, and keeping the materials always circulating and always in, in use so that it never goes to waste. And I, I was doing some research on this recently. I think it's like a hundred billion dollars. No, actually I think it's $500 billion globally that we lose um, in all of the textile waste around the, the world. 500 billion, so half a trillion. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's intense. That really is. Oh gosh. Okay. So I'm just so curious about like no plastic. Like how do you even do the, you know, like on the underwear, how the, the edges, how it, it's all. Yes. Yeah. So right now we are focusing on the 100% Pima cotton um, fabric. The yeah. elastic, the elastic is definitely something that we are, again, waiting for some of these innovations to hit scale. Um, we want to be able to replace those with plastic free or more biodegradable options um, oh in the future. Yeah, that's the one thing that hasn't caught up. But, you know, just by at least el- eliminating the plastics in the fabric, it cuts down on microplastic waste yeah. so much. Um, so that was really important to us. Absolutely. And you're, you're, you know, you're on the cutting edge. This is just so exciting. I hope so. (laughs) Talk about the different ways that the big favorite is sustainable. So we, we address sort of, we have a a three-pronged approach, which is people, planet, profit. And we really try to address each one. Um, It was important to me to secure a supplier and a, and a partner um, in a manufacturer that prioritized people um, and planet as well. So I actually went down to Peru and met with a few people and like basically did walkthroughs of every single um, factory or vendor that they worked with and made sure that the working conditions were aligned with um, global standards and um, we are, they actually were getting their Oikotech certification and then COVID hit. So that kind of pushed things out a little bit, but I'm excited because they are on that track um, to be Oikotech certified, which means ethical, fair wage, fair pay, um, and, and better, more sustainable uh, resource gathering practices as well. And, um, sorry, go ahead. No, that, that, that hasn't been a thing. So that's something new. Yeah, it's it hasn't really been. I mean, when you look at traditional models, um, you know, clothing has become so cheap. And when you look at a like a T-shirt in a discount bin, that's three dollars. You know, you have to back it out and ask, well, what is the human cost of this, too? Not just environmental, but human. You know, it's an intersection. Um, And so that's where, you know, the the people part of our um, three 
pronged approach really came into play. Um, we also prioritize diversity and inclusion. We have a hiring plan for that. Um, as we grow, we're like really, really small right now. We're two, two people, including me and um, a couple of interns. So, um, but as we grow, we, we have a hiring plan for that. Um, and we also obviously are plastic-free um, packaging. We are plastic-free fabric. We are ethically sourced fabric. Um, mm. We are, let me think, um, obviously circular. So recyclable mm. and reducing waste. Um, we're working towards zero waste standards as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I could probably go on, but I, I think framing out sustainability is one of the hardest things for businesses to do. Right. Um, cause you can get really deep with it. It was like, like right. when I started framing this out, we could actually go down all the way down into the detergent used to clean sure. the yarn that makes the thread that sews the t-shirt. <laughs> so, sure. um, so it can go very deep, but, um, but it's, you know, it's important to at least get started and not feel overwhelmed. Well, absolutely. And just so much, so much learning. I mean, that's just what you were talking about with using these factories that have been certified in some way that their working conditions are, you know, humane. Yes. That's huge right there. I mean, it's just, we spent too much time just looking the other way, just because we were excited about the $3 t-shirt, you know, when you see that. I know. I have 49 things in my basket and I'm going to, uh, and that's all under a hundred dollars. And I think I'll buy them all, you know, you're like, oh, great. And then you'll throw them all away. Exactly. That's exactly the, the habit that we want to break for people. I, know. I think it's interesting that I don't know if it's that sustainability is evolving, but that it really is kind of these different pillars and that human is the human aspect of it is mm-hmm. a part of, a sustainable business and something that people are talking about more, which we're excited about. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Talk to us about your hiring plan focused on diversity. I want to explore that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like I was saying before, um, we're so, we're so small, right. um, but we do have a plan, a, a path to inclusion. And it's really important to us to, work with partners who, um, you know, are diverse and represent this great big planet that we live on. Um, so that is something that, you know, I work really closely with my ops manager for, and we source a lot of talent. And right now, to be honest with you, there are so many great, wonderful new platforms that highlight diverse talent and they just bring them to the forefront. So it's so much easier to like really find these people, um, and make sure that, you know, they're, they're getting a chance too. So it's exciting. And I think it just brings like, it brings awesome like insights and different points of views. It makes the company better. So I think there's like been so many studies done that show, you know, leadership that is diverse in companies. Um, it really impacts the bottom line in a positive way. So, you know, we're excited to, to um, be on that path. Yeah. Oh, same. We feel the exact same way. Thank you. (laughs) What did you think about when designing the pieces for the big favorite? So let's talk more about the end of life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So knowing that, and I've sort of, I sort of have mentioned the process up to this point, but, you know, there are two types of textile recycling right now. One is chemical 
and one is mechanical. And literally in the mechanical process, the uh, garments are are detrimmed. Um, they're sanitized first, then they're detrimmed, and then they're chopped up basically into like little pieces. Mm-hmm. And then it's respun with other fiber or like other slight um, uh, content of, of virgin fiber to create a new um, yarn. So that's mechanical. And then chemical, they're having all sorts of advancements in that area um, where they're actually separating um, like cellulose fiber from some synthetic fibers. They haven't quite nailed it yet for the for scale, um, but it's almost there. So it was really in thinking about these um, these availabilities that informed the Big Favorites product. Um, and the first and foremost, the, the biggest thing for me was removing as much plastic from the product as possible. And so that's why we use the plastic-free fabric. There's no blends in it. Um, we just have focused on using the correct knit structures. So knit by nature is stretchy. Um, but by adding all of these like weird plastic synthetic blends to it, you can get more performance qualities, but you don't have to have it. And plus cotton by itself is naturally breathable. Um, so we really don't need the spandex or elastane in the blended fiber. So we took that out mm-hmm. and we really focused on the knit construction. Um, right now we use four different constructions, a one-by-one rib, a two-by-two rib, an interlock, and a jersey. And the jersey is probably the least stretchy of all, but that is our t-shirt fabric. Um, So all of the ribs go into the undergarments. The interlock is for the men's boxer brief, so it provides a lot of structure, um, but it's still like super soft and stretchy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... Yeah. So we basically, we've chosen, um, those to, you know, to purposefully so that we don't need any of the, uh, elastane. And then, um, we are also like developing in our new products that we're developing ways of, um, you know, being able to take these garments apart, uh, easier. And I think there's a, there may be a question in the future, um, that you you guys are going to ask, um, that includes this. So I'll save that for that question. Okay. And was this different than you've ever designed before? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) I, I think the whole concept of design has shifted. It's turned, uh, completely upside down because now you really need input of your community. Um, and you want to know like exactly what they want so that you can anticipate their needs and work with them to, to create something that, um, that they really love. And then that's where, you know, my creativity kind of comes in handy is like, I can say, okay, here are all the things that we need to hit for recyclability. And mm-hmm. here are the things we need to hit for our customers. And then we just create like a really amazing, reliable, undergarment experience. Um, and yeah, the response has been great. And you kind of have to be a scientist too. Yeah. A little bit. You were saying about the fibers and everything. That's, that's intense. That's to learn so much. Yes. Yeah. A lot, a lot of learning, a lot of being in the weeds, but it's, um, it's informing like such a a bigger Mm -hmm. strategy and it's, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. I bet. 
Um, one of the goals that we had, uh, we have going forward into 2021 is uh, to become more sustainable, sustainability focused just in our lives in general and in our purchases. Do you have um, a couple of tips that you can share with our uh, listeners about just in your everyday life, how you can be a little more sustainable? Absolutely. Um, I like it's sort of two twofold. So fashion wise, um, I think that like mending, tailoring, um, mm-hmm. making your clothes last as long as possible is really like the new trend. Um, you know, uh, I love the mending trend. I, I don't know if you guys do this at all, but there, there are companies out there, one specifically called the Endery that sells mending kits and it gives you like a little needle and a darner and some like colorful thread. And you can just fix any holes in your sweaters that might've appeared. And it's just fun. It like personalizes the garment and it makes you feel like more invested in, in the longevity of your own clothing. Um, I also think bespoke too, like mm-hmm. buy things really intentionally and like customized for you. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this one company, I forget the name. I'll have to look them up and get back to you with it too. But they take your old tennis shoes and they resole them in leather and like create this amazing new, like bespoke pair of hybrid tennis shoes. Oh, wow. It's the coolest thing ever. Um, but I feel like people are doing these things out there and that, that just, um, you know, it promotes longevity of clothing and it just, right. it, it helps us to, to keep our clothes, um, as long for as long as possible. And then the other part of it is like, I, I hate throwing things away and mm-hmm. I just want to use them for as long as possible. So I'll, I'll like fix things, glue things like mm-hmm. rubber band, like, you know, like kind of, um, MacGyver is a big, <laughs> he, he's a big source of inspiration for me. So I'm always looking for creative ways to just make things last even longer. Like the other day, my peeler broke for my carrots and uh-huh. I just rubber banded uh-huh. the thing back onto the. Oh, the wow. Net. Did it work? Yeah, totally worked. So. Wow, that's great. Oh my gosh. I know that's like being an entrepreneur. One time I broke a bowl. I'm like, okay, I could throw this away or I could glue it back together and <laughs> buy a new one. And it, that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny hearing y'all talk about this because that's like, I mean, I have, I have a huge mending kit. I love you that. Know? Today I went through my mending kit and I was like, okay, a lot of these buttons are from pieces I don't have anymore, you know, and yeah. things like that. But, um, and, and, you know, porcelain glue and all the things that, I don't know. We just grew up doing. Right. And then I guess the, the, the world got to be so um, easy and, you know, order this and get this shirt and throw it away. If you don't, you know, yep. disposable. Yep. And so it's nice that it's kind of, yeah. So maybe an example would be if you're wondering how to be more sustainable, talk to your mother, or your grandmother. I think that's a great point because mm-hmm. yes, I mean, my, my grandmother used to save everything. And right. So, much. so that's a great point. Yeah. And I was with a client the other day and she pulled out this amazing coat. Um, it was surprising that it was winter white and it didn't have any of those yellow, you know, age stains on it or whatever. But, uh-huh. um, and it had a leopard print 
fat, it was not real leopard, obviously, but uh, collar. And she said there somewhere in her attic, she had the pillbox hat that went with it. And it was her grandmother's. Well, it fits her like a glove. And I checked it out really well. It's in great condition somehow. And I was like, you need to take it to the person who does your alterations. Talk to her about what length the sleeves should be. The sleeves are a little big for you. You know, you'll have this amazing treasure that was just sitting here for all these years, you know, for kids to play dress up in or somehow is in great shape. So yeah, she's bringing something back out and it's going to end up being a piece that, you know, she can't wear to wear again and again. Totally. I think tailoring is like number one, just find these. Cause half the time you can't even find the kind of quality that that yeah. coat is like, mm-hmm. you couldn't find that anymore. Right. So might as well just get it tailored and you know, yeah. you have something that's going to really last. It's one of those things that you're like, should I find somebody who could make this a copy of this for me? No. Cause you have the real thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, why not just use this? <laughs> right. Yes. Very cool. Okay, talk to us about the Take Back program and feel free to demystify anything about turning in your underwear. (laughs) Demystifying. (laughs) Um, So... uh, you'll... So basically how it works is um, you'll buy the big favorite. um, You'll wear it. You'll wear it out. And when it's worn out, you will wash it once more and you'll either scan the QR code or come to our website to get a a prepaid USPS label generated. Um, And then you'll send it back. Um, And what we do with it is we aggregate, we um, sanitize, we detrim, and then we work with third-party recyclers to turn it into new yarn. Um, And then you get rewarded on future purchases. So you're buying into our, what we like to call our circular savings program, um, which is sort of like, you can think about it as like a forever discount mm-hmm. and uh, you'll keep getting rewarded on your future purchases as long as you are sending back your undergarments for recycling. So I always, people always say like, Oh, are you going to like be looking at these? And I, and I say, no, it's, it goes to our warehouse. I don't look at it. Nobody looks sure. at it. Nobody cares about the status of your pit stains. Like right. you really just want to, to look at waste as the resource um, and, and change the, change the game around that. And, and people think, Oh, well that it feels kind of weird or it feels gross. And I just say, you know, what's grosser, like throwing it in the trash and it being a part of the landfill for generations and generations just yeah. doesn't, doesn't make sense anymore. So, right. yeah. It's another example too. of you just don't need that much. I mean, you know, yeah. you don't need 30 different pairs of, of underwear. Yes. In your drawer in every color known to man, you know, Yep. Um, keep it simple and take care of the earth. I love um, that. Keep it simple. Right. Seriously. Okay. What do you hope to accomplish with the big favorite? Oh my gosh. Um, so much. I think the biggest one is to set a new standard in American legacy. Um, you know, for so long, American legacy has stood for just like gigantic, big, um, you know, Mm -hmm. commoditized brands. And I think that's the past. And so, um, I'm excited to, to be a part of the new wave of American legacy and, what that could could mean for the future of the industry. 
Um, and the second thing is really just to encourage other businesses to, to look at this as potential. Um, I mean, just today I was reading about Patagonia's um, program and they're really having tremendous success with it. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm just here to, you know, I'm here to support this movement and I'm here to set an example and I'm excited to, you know, watch other businesses, um, get on board. That's so great. And, and, and watching you like, you know, I think sometimes it's so daunting, especially to small brands. They just think, well, we're never, you know, we don't have the money. I mean, we don't even, how do we switch? You know, so having you as an example of, you know, I did it, you can do it too. And I can take your hand and help you along the way. Totally. Totally. It's amazing. <laughs> and what was it like launching a brand in a pandemic? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, you know, like for us, it wasn't actually that crazy. I mean, it's definitely given us, uh, like we've had to pivot a little bit. Um, cause we were planning on launching and going into wholesale quite quickly, but we've had to refocus efforts on D to C, um, which is, you know, that's totally fine for now. I think more and more people are accustomed to shopping online anyway. Right. So, um, but yeah, it's been, honestly, the response has been really great. I think that COVID has been really terrible and that we are all super isolated and like, it's been really awful for the world. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think it's given the globally, it's just given us a chance to really understand how inextricably things are linked and that we've got to start taking care of this planet because it's sick. Right. Um, and we're seeing that, you know, now. So um, it's given us, I think, a real um, tailwind. Um, it's very of the moment right now. So um, it's been, it's been okay. That's great. Yeah, it really is. It, it's been great. We had to, we had to look at it. We had to face it. We had to see, stop yeah. long enough to understand that it really is happening. I think so. I think that's right. What were you thinking about when you determined the price point? Yes. So one of the main pain points in the sustainability conversation is that um, people feel very left out because they can't afford really, um, you know, perfectly sustainable, like perfect um, uh, product. They can't right. afford the price point that it, it commands. And um, you know, when I was doing research on this product category, um, it was really important to me to try and engineer something that could have a little bit more of an approachable price point. And so um, I wanted people to be able to afford this, even if they could only afford one, you know, or one three pack, like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, um, it, it just is more, more possible with our price point. So that was, that was the, the thinking behind wanting to sort of cost engineer this as well um, for people so that more people can take part in sustainability and in waste reduction. Yes. And they can dip their toe in and they can realize they fall in love with the fit and the design and everything. And then the idea of not having you know, it's the same thing when I'm working with women in their closets and I'm like, I want to, you know, edit it down. Let's get it really tight. 
you know, beautiful, high quality pieces that can be worn in different ways. And, you know, all of this excess that people have accumulated. Yeah. Not really necessary. I mean, that's another tip is like, and I'm sure this is part of your, is part of your, mm-hmm. um, your, your conversations with customers, but it's like, just buy beautiful classic things that you're going to wear forever. Cause that really is more of a sustainable mentality. Right. And take care of them. And, and then that's your look. I mean, that's, you know, you, you, we could talk about that for hours, but yes, very much. So you totally love it. So besides what we've talked about, are there any more advancements in sustainability that you're excited about? Yes. Oh, so many things. Um, not just in like chemical recycling, but also in new innovative materials. I mean, bioplastics is like the coolest thing that I have just been watching with such awe and wonderment. And like, I met a woman who is now like her company is now partnering with another like really amazing global sustainable brand um, to create the first post agriculture uh, waste fabric. So basically they're taking like corn husks and turning it into fabric. And all of these things that I hear about, there's um, there's one called werewolf and there's like all these really interesting sustainability initiatives that are happening now around the, the material innovation where they're taking like, they're taking cells from like jellyfish and making, Mm -hmm. um, you know, waterproof fabric. Like it's, it's just like a Willy Wonka experiment and it's so cool. And I just cannot wait. I can't wait for these things to be available to, to designers like me and, and to companies mm-hmm. like Big Favorite. It's just going to be so much fun to create things out of these, these um, new fibers. And, and also they're developing cool things with thread too, like um, completely dissolvable threads. Mm-hmm. Just like gone, you know, with water mm-hmm. or with Yes, that's with so heat. interesting. You it's know, so cool. It is so cool. We were um, with the Costume Institute of the Metropolitan Museum in their laboratory area. It's not really called their laboratory, but that's what it looks like. And they were talking about there are designers now that are designing pieces specifically to, you know, go back into the earth. So their their dilemma is rather than do you save, you know, one piece by the designer for history for historical purposes or do you follow their wishes and then they're you know and just you you don't have any examples of that you know of that work of that style which was so interesting to me to think about like that is against the designer's wishes to save that tennis shoe if that shoe was the first ever that was made that way and you know to show the people in future generations. I mean, there's all these kind of questions that are going to come up. It's going to be very interesting. Wow. Isn't that insane? I mean, that's like such a, like, wow. Like right. archives, you know, right. like what's right. happen. Yeah. I know those kind of things that are just these outliers that you don't even, you know, think about. Yep. It impacts everything. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what does it mean? What is sand for, how do you say it? Sanforized? Sanforized, yeah. Sanforized. 
So th- that um, that actually was a part of the original logo, and it means pre-shrunk um, by a compressive process, and it meets certain standards of um, fabric shrinkage. So essentially, and in <laughs> fact, with with um, our product, we pre-shrink it so that when you go to wash it, it doesn't shrink down to like Barbie sized in right. the washing machine. <laughs> so. Um, and that can be an issue, especially for hundred percent cotton uh, Absolutely. Uh, products. So yeah, um, it was actually part of the original brand. And another thing that we, that we brought forward to our product. And I think, um, another important call out to, to mention is that like Sanforize, that's one of those like very forties and fifties right. words, right? Like they had all those words that were. Um, had eyes on the end of it. And that means in Greek um, to transform and to, and to, um, to rethink and to transform, I think is what it is. And it just feels particularly relevant uh, Mm -hmm. for the industry today and how, you know, there's just so many things that are being innovated and it speaks to the innovation you know, in our business model as well. So it felt particularly relevant. Mm-hmm. It's relevant now, but it was really relevant then too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's what I love. It's like some of these things we are going back to, you know, uh, the honest way of just, you know, what you say is true and, you know, you take care of your fabrics this way. And um, yeah. it really does. That word is, it has such a nice, connotation for me even though i didn't really know what it was yeah totally people are they're like what is that but i think it's a it's a curious the curious word right makes you right. want to know more and people your age would probably have never seen it before and people my age would be like okay i saw that growing up all the time <laughs> you know but i never really paid attention to it so now i'm very curious what it is so yeah. i think it's great yep and talk to us about what you offer for both men and women Yes. Um, so we have um, all of our T-shirts essentially are um, slim fit for men. So we fit them slim on a man, but they can really be worn by anyone. So we we promote them as being unisex. And I wear I normally wear a size small and I wear a size small in these like it's pretty one to one. It's easy um, because I like my T-shirts with a little bit of room in them. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's something that I think we'll be, we're definitely going to be leaning into, um, into social media in the near future is just showing the versatility of these garments and how, um, how everybody can wear them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we also have a boxer brief for men and we have a bikini brief and a thong for women. Mm-hmm. And we also have a really cute little, um, two by two rib baby rib, um, mm-hmm. tank. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is great. So the t-shirt that I have can be men or women. Yes. Okay. Well, I love it. And one of the things that we haven't had time to do yet, cause we haven't been together, but we can't wait to make a video with us showing how many different ways, how many different looks we come up with, with our tank and our tea. Oh, yay. Oh my gosh. That would be amazing. I can't wait. Yeah. We're really excited about that. Awesome. <sighs> okay. This is, this is intense. Let's see if you can come up with it. What has been your favorite moment of your career? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that, that is hard. <laughs> That's so hard. Um, how about like top three? 
Sure. sure. Okay. Top three. Um, like number three, working for Mickey Drexler and Jenna J. Crew. Yes. For Super sure. cool, iconic. I mean, that was the heyday of J. Crew and yes. it was impressive. And it was a really cool, inspiring time for me. Um, and I think it gave me a lot of confidence just to move forward in my, mm-hmm. my career. Um, number two, definitely dressing the amazing women that I was dressing at Argent, yeah. uh, dressing Hillary Clinton and uh, Kamala and um, Amy Poehler, Aquafina. I mean, these women are amazing. It just, right. but, but even like, even, anybody that I would work with, uh, one-on-one, just like having this amazing connection to the transformation that would happen when someone put on my blazers and it just, it was really special. I I, I have to say like working with women, it was really awesome. Um, and empowering them and making them feel good about themselves was really that was a really awesome part of my career. I I totally agree. It's that one of the honors of my life to do that. Yes. Yes. And then number one is absolutely um, using my creativity to tackle this huge problem and, and reviving my great grandfather's company. It's so much fun and just is on another level. And I'm, I'm so excited to be pushing this concept forward. So those are my top three. Those are huge. And you're so young. I mean, this is just magnificent. We're just so excited. Thank you. (laughs) I get so excited. Okay. Any advice for someone looking to start a business? Yes. um, Experience is everything. So, so start at another company and learn Mm -hmm. everything you can and fail on someone else's dime um, and understand the structures of business and how everything works together and how it communicates and how it talks. Um, you know, I attribute a lot of my success with, with co-founding my first company. And now this one with the experience that I had with Tommy Hilfiger. And that was really, um, it was, it working on the runway collection was a different entity because it was run by PR and marketing. Mm. And it was sort of like a large startup inside of a, or sorry, a a startup inside of a large company. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, well-funded and well-oiled. And I learned everything about taking initiative and owning things because, you know, well, I was really the only assistant and I was working with the top four heads of Tommy international Um, And, you know, do you think they were sketching and making tech packs and running around (laughs) like, no, they weren't doing that. (laughs) So, um, so that was how I really, you know, I learned how to be really self-sufficient and take initiative and um, kind of do everything. (laughs) So, so yes, go learn on someone else's dime. Mm -hmm. And how do we solve the problem of sustainability being so expensive? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it's really just about um, showing people the power of investing um, and showing them that if you don't buy, you know, five 
$5 t-shirts, you can buy one $25 t-shirt that lasts you much longer and is fit better and more versatile, you know, for your lifestyle. So it's really a re-education. We're never going to, we're never going to be able to make this super cheap. It just doesn't, just doesn't ladder up. Um, but what we do need to do is just a reconfiguration of how people are thinking about their garments and that something should never be cheaper than the cost of your lunch. Yes, totally. So like the white t-shirt is one of my core pieces that I make sure, you know, all my women have. And when I say, you know, show me your white t-shirts are like t-shirts, you know, and they pull out something wrinkled in the bottom of a drawer somewhere. And I'm like, no, you treat this t-shirt like a silk you know, talk. Uh-huh. It hangs in your closet next to your other core pieces. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, it's just so much excess. It and is. then when you take it, it's a cotton t-shirt, but you put it on and you feel just like you're putting on a silk shirt. You put it on, a, a, you know, under your blazer and. Totally. And when it's like, when it's not great quality, it's, um, you know, it falls apart and it just gets like gray and gross in the washing machine. And like, you know, right. It doesn't hang right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not worth it. I mean, my, my, you know, my mom is probably really guilty of like shopping the sales and she'll, when I'm down work, uh, just like visiting her, we always get in her closet and do a little bit of a clean out. And I keep telling her, stop, you got to stop shopping the sales. You got to be more focused and more intentional with buying better quality, natural fibers. Yeah. Right. And some, somewhere along the line, women got the memo that, you know, if, if you like a shoe or a short or a jacket or whatever, get it in every single color it comes in. Yes. And half the time they don't ever wear the other colors because they didn't need them to begin with. It's so true. (laughs) No, it's really funny. And then the same thing about, you know, things being on sale. And many times it's like, well, I bought this pair of shorts that I loved, but, you know, that brand is such and such. So I found these at, you know, they'll name a discount place that are just like it. So I got them in every color. So then I say, okay, let's put on the ones from the discount store. Yeah. And put them on and let's put on that one pair that you loved, you know, and invariably they're like, Oh, they don't really fit the same. Do they? Uh Now I don't really like all of those. So, you know, just, I think one of the main things that we all, the three of us at least could do is just keep talking to people about less is more and quality. It's not any more expensive because you know, you buy one shirt that's perfect compared to, six shirts that are almost, but they were on sale. They were less expensive. Yep. Um, you know, and, and also the message that it sends to you, you know, maybe no one else knows, but you know, when you put on those quality pieces, you just stand up taller. You just do. It's so true. It's so true. Women derive confidence from their clothes. Absolutely. So will you be adding other categories besides undergarments? Yes. I mean, we're, we're very interested in other categories, but I think what's the most, uh, the the biggest priority for us is that we build slow and from the bottom up and we just really want to prioritize starting simply and, um, growing with our, our community and, you know, learning what they need and where we can meet them with those needs. Um, so that's what we're focusing on for now. But big, big picture, definitely looking at other categories. 
I love everything you just said, because I feel like, you know, everything is moves so quickly and fail and fail fast and all of that. And, you know, really doing one thing and doing it really well before you move on to the next or, or expand is, is it's just, it's the way that it just needs to be going forward. You know? Um, Okay. Talk to us about the QR codes in the garments. So QR codes, uh, you know, it's funny (laughs) when I first started talking about this, um, people were like, what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) What, what are you talking about? I'm scanning this thing in my garment label. And this was probably like three years ago. I mean, this was like a long time ago. And then, you know, the pandemic hit and they're everywhere. Um, So the reason why I really liked it, because it almost created a like a digital connection to your clothes. I mean, certainly, you know, we have plans to kind of expand um, our offering with our QR code. But this is really just a V1. But it's it's really thinking about as a new channel, a new way to like interact with your clothing um, find out where it's made, you know, it makes the return process easier. Cause like when you're finished, you can just scan the QR code and it will help you. It'll, it'll prompt you to, um, to create a recycling label, which will bring it back to us. Um, and it does all, all sorts of other cool things that we're really excited. We're, we're rolling out more activities with that, um, as the year, as the year goes on. So that's cool. amazing because QR codes might be everywhere, but I can tell you people my age still have no idea what they are. So <laughs> when you scan it, you, you scan it with your phone? Yes, with your camera app. With your so, camera app. And then it pops up and then it'll tell you like where where it was made or? Yeah. So right now what you can do with it is, and like we leave little what I like to call Easter eggs in there. Um, so we'll tell you on social media or through email. Um, if you're an existing customer, you can scan your QR code and it'll take you um, to some funny video. It'll take you like the other day, or I guess it was before Christmas. We actually put a discount code in there for our existing customers. Oh, wow. Um, and so we're just having fun with it, but you can also go and generate a recycling label. You can find out about our sustainability goals. Um, and you can also, you know, place a reorder as well. So it just, it just helps to create that connection back, uh, back to us. Well, and there's no room on a, a certainly on a pair of underwear to, to put all the things that would be of interest. Right. So that's great. Right. <laughs> no, it's incredible. And they get to meet you. There's a cute little video in there. <laughs> yes. Yep. We did the, the founder video um, was one of the first ones. So yeah, it's cool. That's so great. I know. That's what I saw. Mom, people your age are going to know because restaurants, you, you're forced. I mean, that's the only way to get the menu a lot of times. Exactly. Yes. Yes. But a lot of people might haven't even been out. But, you know, yes. For, I mean, and certainly the older age. But no, no. It's the future. It's That's just why I wanted to make sure she explained it. So, um, you know, knowledge is power. Totally. What do you think is the future of the fashion industry? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> this is a big one. Um you know, I listen to, and you guys probably listen to her too, but, um, Lee Edelcourt. No. Um, she is like a big trend forecaster. I think she either. Oh yeah. You, you've heard the name. Sure. Right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. 
So she really talked about this return to, you know, artisanal, like very, like art, very, very much point of view. um, And, and people that were actually like real makers. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I thought that was really beautiful um, because that's exactly what needs to happen. I think, Mm -hmm. I think we're, we're going to see a major culling um, of the industry and then a focus on like a big focus on circularity and sustainability. Um, and I think there's just, you know, I think you guys would agree with me. There's just so much crap out there. Yeah. Um, and I think the priorities are going to shift to these, you know, makers and like smaller, you know, more artisanal right. batches and people who are really passionate about creativity and who who want to be here, who want to be in this industry. Um, and everybody else is just going to kind of like fade away, I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I think, you know, the, the shift is happening and, and creatives are going to lead the way. And I love the statistic that 60% of fortune 100 CEOs say that creativity is actually the most important leadership skill. So I am really wow. encouraged by that. And I think creatives are, are primed um, for this next phase of the fashion industry. Yes, I think that's so true. We were talking to somebody earlier today. And we were asking them about the future of retail. Yep. And they said it's actually a very exciting time because we have the chance to do all the things that we wished retail could be. Yep. And I loved that idea. Um, and, and stories behind brands and, you know, the, the creatives having the time to actually be creative. Yes. I, I think it's so amazing that a lot of these brands um, and designers are just walking away from the, the old system. Right. Like, I don't need to show twice a year. I don't right. even need to show next season because I feel like my collection needs more time to breathe. Like, I think that's amazing. It is amazing. It's amazing. And we were laughing, Philip Lim, he did a pre-fall collection, but he said, whatever you do, please don't call it (laughs) (laughs) pre-fall. I'm so tired of these names. Um, Okay. This is just, I think it's so cool that you spent the time with Mickey and Jenna, you know, right when all that was, it just changed the landscape of, of fashion and bridging of, you know, everyday people getting to wear these amazing designs. And I was wondering if you had um, some things that you could share that you'd learned from working under them. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, So I learned um, that crowdsource, like the thing I loved about Mickey's leadership style was that he was never too proud to take a suggestion or to hear somebody's opinion. Mm-hmm. And he would get on the loudspeaker almost every day. I mean, many times a day, some in some cases um, to crowdsource. And he'd say like, what articles are you reading? Um, what trends are you seeing? You know, where do you think the opportunities are for J crew? Um, do you know this person? Like he just, wa- he was just curious. And I think, that is um, something that I want to pull forward in, in my mm-hmm. leadership style and in my future. I just, I really, it, it was so awesome to see and it was such a collaborative spirit. And I think that was part of what made J. Crew so successful. Um, and I think another thing I learned was like, bet on yourself. 
like you, you're the only person that has your point of view (laughs) and that's what makes everybody so special and unique. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that was like one of the big things for me there. Um, and why, you know, I was able to kind of develop a relationship with, with some of the leaders there. And and it just, it really, you know, speaks to what I'm doing now too. Um, Mm -hmm. bet on yourself. Mm -hmm. Fabulous, fabulous advice. Truly. Okay. So, well, what's next for you? I feel like you're, you're super busy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we have so many exciting, exciting things planned for this year. Um, we're, we're mainly focused on becoming the most reliable undergarments on the planet for the planet. Um, (laughs) we're evolving the product to be even better, um, and, and more sustainable every day. And we're doing a lot of work on our supply chain, Um, And then we're also like rolling out some really amazing partnerships with other designers and brands this year um, that I'm like really, really excited about. Um, I can't talk about them yet, but I'm so, so excited and just like can't wait. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And we were just talking about, I love that you said creativity is the number one thing in leadership. The one problem is that we, none of us could live without anything creative. You know, we need the arts and music and dance and everything to fill us up. But a lot of times those are the, the term starving artists, like for some reason, it is a challenge for the creative businesses to make money. So do you have any thoughts on how to change that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, look, if you're a creative, you've been able to, I think there's a spectrum, right? Like, I think that there's certainly a spectrum of creative. There are some people who are like extreme creative where they forget to eat. Right. And then there are like others that, you know, can handle the numbers and can handle, you know, the, the more business um, driven parts of, of this whole thing. But um, you know, if I think my thought is like <sighs> investors and private equity funds want to invest in the most creative companies in the world, creativity is the thing that separates you from every other business. Think about that because the more creative you are, the more innovative you are, the more you're able to pivot and like discover new ways of doing things and operating and that's where people want to put their dollars. So if you're on the spectrum of like, I'm a creative that forgets to eat, like maybe you need a business partner, but (laughs) otherwise like just learn. I mean, just like people go to school or like, just like George Bush learned how to paint after his presidency, like we can learn how to do business models. It's not, it's just another way of telling a story. It's just another medium. So don't like, I think we just have to, to own that and, um, and be more intentional about, you know, building successful businesses that are, that are founded and driven by creativity. Fabulous. It's a perfect ending. I know. So Eleanor, where can people find you and the big favorite? So we are on Instagram at the big favorite and we're online at the big Perfect. Well, thank you so much. This was a fabulous conversation and we thoroughly enjoyed hanging out with you.
Likewise. Loved it. I love catching up with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. You too. All right. Take care. Congratulations. Thank you. Talk soon. Thank you for tuning into this episode on the Style That Binds Us podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe. You can be a part of growing with us. Also, do you know about our weekly newsletter? You'll get access to exclusive content in our newsletter that we don't post anywhere else. Our newsletter comes out every Tuesday with the exception of the third Thursday of the month for Allison's special Celebrating Life After 40 edition. Head to the bottom of the Style That Binds Us website to subscribe.